Isn't it awesome to be able to come together and celebrate the goodness of our God on this Christmas Eve? Amen. Thank you for taking the time to come out and prioritize what this season is really about. I just heard in my spirit as I was here earlier praying, and I just heard the Lord saying, as they draw near to me, let them know I draw nigh unto them. So God is very pleased with your presence here tonight, with your uh, worship you ascribe unto him, because he sees your heart and he sees how much you truly love him. Thank you for expressing that here at Christian Embassy and allowing us to partner with you and be a part of that. Uh, we have just a few moments together uh, as uh, we know that you probably have other festivities and family and friends and all types of things coming in, but it's so great to know that we put Christ first uh, here on this Christmas Eve. I wanted to share with you just a simple message just of encouragement for us talking about the three gifts of Christmas. You've probably heard this before. We've heard it even sung in the song here tonight, but there's a significance even beyond what I would take time to uh, disclose this evening with these three gifts. And I just pray that the Lord would speak to your heart in a special way uh, with, this, with this message. Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your word that you've given us written form, wholly inspired. But even before that, God, how you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are the word. Hallelujah. And you came and dwelt among us. And you brought your Holy Spirit in such a way to manifest how we could, by your example, be filled with your spirit and become your body, the body of Christ. And Lord, as we come to study your word for these few moments, we pray that you would speak to our hearts, Lord God. You know where every person is tonight. Lord God, as this Christmas Eve dawns upon us, Lord, we, we have a time for reflection. We look back and there are people who were with us a Christmas Eve ago, maybe several years ago, are no longer with us. And we're still making the adjustment, Lord, with not having them in our life or near us. Some of us are coming on this Christmas Eve and there are relationships that we didn't have last Christmas, but we do this year. And we're still making adjustments, Lord God. And we just guide, uh, ask God for your guidance and your Holy Spirit to bring comfort where comfort is needed, peace where peace is needed, Lord God. And Lord God, excitement in seeing the future that you have for us. Lord, we pray that by your hand and by the moving of your Spirit, Lord, that this would be one of the greatest Christmases that we've ever experienced on this earth. And Lord God, we know you take it from glory to glory. So we're excited about this new year and excited about going forward with all the great things that you have in store for us. But now, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts as we look at your word for these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. Let's look at part of the scripture in Matthew 2, beginning at verse 1. We're now picking up after Jesus was born. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them, Where is this Christ to be born? So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, deter uh, determined from them that what time the star had appeared. He then sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to make a couple of points in the beginning here. We know this story probably very well, and I think it's pretty awesome to pick up on the point that these men, uh, these very wealthy men from the East have come, and they've come to worship this, this prophetic, this prophesied uh, coming Messiah that they had heard about. And then as they are looking, they go and they ask Herod, you know, where is he? They don't know where he's at. They've had a star giving them guidance, but they didn't have full clearance and where to go and clarity. So they're asking Herod. And we know Herod is of the devil and he's you know, wanting to destroy this Messiah. He wants to kill all the babies two years and younger and make sure that uh, he doesn't survive. So he tells them, you go, it's, uh, as he pulls the scribes and all the... Uh, Pharisees together, and they figure out through the pro pro prophetic word that it would be Bethlehem. He sends them to Bethlehem, and he says, you go and worship him, and then you come and let me know uh, after you've seen him so I can go and worship him too. Now, we know that was a lie. Herod never was intending to worship him. He actually had plans already set to have him killed. But uh, the cool thing is, is as they went and worshiped the Lord Jesus in a house, so this wasn't at the manger scene. We're talking about the young child in the house. I know it's cute with our manger scene. It's kind of hard to put it all together other than the way we do it uh, with our nativity set. But this is, he's at least uh, under two years old, probably about 18 months old. The young child is in the house. But then the, they hear an angel speak to them in the night and say, you cannot go back to Herod. I want you to go home a different way and uh, do not go back and tell Herod. So uh, and the angel also warned Joseph and Mary that they should take uh, Jesus and go to Egypt because there was this slaughter that was going to take place of all children two years and younger. And uh, the neat point is this. Before they spent time in the presence of Jesus, these wise men, they were called wise men, they were wealthy men, they are rulers, they have uh, a governing authority, but they had to go to Herod to try and find out where Jesus was because they could not hear for themselves. But after they spent time in the presence of Jesus, the Bible says now they're getting divine instructions on not go, to not go back to Herod, but to go home a different way. So I just encourage you that as we spend time in the presence of the Lord, and that's why it's so important that we're here this evening prioritizing our Christ, who is the center of our Christmas, as we spend time in His presence and we worship Him, know this, that there is a line of communication between heaven and earth open up in your house and in your life. And you need to take advantage of it. 
You need to say, I can hear from God. I can hear what the Spirit of the Lord says. There's angelic messages that God sends. I hear because I worship my Lord. You need to know that. You don't need to go to a man or a woman. You definitely don't need to go to someone that's going to read cards or, or things of that nature through satanic uh, means to try and figure out your future. You have direct access to your God, your Creator, in and through His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And as we spend time worshiping Him and, and giving unto Him, He gives back unto us. So He said, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. Let's look at these three gifts that they came, and I believe the Spirit of the Lord had prompted him to give these to fulfill the prophetic scripture. And the first gift we see is gold, gold. And gold represents royalty, and gold represents purity, because gold's value is increased and found as you take the impurities out of it. And that's where we get it measured in carat. Uh, it lets us know the purity of the gold. And as we study uh, the gold throughout the Scripture and how God refines us, like the goldsmith refines the gold, it gives us the, the message that there's victory over sin. So this gold represents to us that this child, this, this son of God that was born on that day, it, he came to give us victory over sin. I want you to be encouraged by that because sin will destroy your life. Sin will cost you more than you ever planned to pay. It will take you further down than you ever expected to go. And it will hold you longer than you were ever willing to be held. Sin is not your friend. And the devil would say that you were born a sinner, you'll die a sinner, and you'll always live in the bondage of sin. But I'm here to tell you this gift of gold lets me know that there was royalty that came to this earth to bring forth the refining, sanctifying power of heaven on this earth and a fire in his spirit that would refine us and sanctify us and set us free from the bondage of sin so that we can say yes to God and no to the devil. That we're not bound by the demonic realm, but we are freed from that and we are now bound to the divine realm where God is our King and Lord and Savior and ruler of everything. The prophet said in Isaiah 1 and 18, though your sin be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be like wool. When that the blood of Jesus Christ, that this baby child came and shed on this earth, is applied to our life. We not only have victory over sin, we are not only sanctified and become the righteousness of God, but he makes us royalty as well. He shares his royalty with us calling us now a royal priesthood of all believers. Hallelujah. So we are kings and queens and sons and daughters of the Most High God, not because of the greatness of what we did, but by the greatness of what Jesus was willing to do when he came to this earth. Hallelujah. In Isaiah 45 and 22, the prophet says this from the heart of God, Look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. He said there's nothing else can save you. Good works can't save you. Giving all your money away can't save you. Being kind to everybody cannot save you. Even forgiving everybody will not save you. But what will save you is our God. And he said, I want you to look to me. Look to me and you will be saved. And he uses that Hebrew word yasha. And yasha means uh, to be saved, set free, and put back right 
together. We get in the New Testament and we get our word sozo from it where we're healed and delivered and put back together and made whole in every area of life. God is a good God. He doesn't want you to live broken. He doesn't want you to live missing out. He doesn't want you to live in bondage. He wants you to be free. Hallelujah. And blessed by Him. Praise God. Oh, there's pressures that come in this world, especially during this time of the year. You may be feeling some pressure, emotional pressure or relational pressure or, or maybe the physical pressure. I've heard some people talking about some financial pressure. Wow. Man, it really presses us this time. But he said, I am Yasha. Look to me. I am your God. I will set you free and bring you into the pressure-free zone. Isn't that good to know? Yasha, I'll bring you into the pressure-free zone. It also means to make sufficient, free from distress, delivered from bondage, delivered from the enemy, delivered from famine, delivered from sickness. Isn't this good news? Jesus came to save us. That's why he said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save my people. He's the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. It's the nature of God. God is the God. That's his nature to save. It's who he is. It's what he does. Oh, he said, but you must look to me. Oh, that's what you're doing here tonight in this Christmas Eve service. You said, all oh, the busy, stop, stop. Put it on pause. I'm going to look to my God. I'm going to look to my Savior, Jesus, and take a moment to make sure he's first, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. So you don't have to beg God to convince him to come and bring salvation into your life. You don't have to beg God to come in and heal you. You don't have to beg God to come in and meet your needs. He said, no, that's who I am. That's who I am. That's my name. That's what I do. Look to me and be saved. All of you ends of the earth, look to me. There's no other God but me, he would say unto you and to me this day. Praise God. I am so excited to know that, that our God has made a way where there seemed to be no way. I'm telling you, he stepped into the biggest mess that we men had made here on this earth. And let me tell you what, he made a pathway out of it through his son, Jesus Christ. Oh, what a great relationship. If you've not embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let this be the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive in all of your life. Embrace him tonight. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to surrender my life to you and live for you forevermore. Then there's that second gift of frankincense. And frankincense this represents this worship. The worship, we have victory in life. We should be worshipers. We have victory in life, I say, church. No matter what the devil ever throws against you, you already have the victory. No matter what the enemy tries to bring against you, you already have the victory. That's why we should be worshipers. We should never incline ourselves to worship in a reaction to having victory. Waiting for something to happen good, then worship God. God says, oh, you want to please me? Believe me. I'm not a man that I should lie. I want you to trust me. And if you'll trust me, I promise you, I promise you I'll give you victory in life. You, there's, no, there's no hard place that you'll ever be pressed in that I won't show you a way of escape. There's no pit deep enough that my hand is not long enough to reach in and rescue you. I will give you victory in life. And when we believe that, we begin to worship Him before the victory is even manifest. And we, we, we let the frankincense begin to lift up worship to our God. John 4 and 23 says, And now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. 
the Father. Think of it right now. Father God is seeking. He's looking for those that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. That means we have His attention right now. Right now, because we are not here to worship in any other name. We're not here to worship in any other way, but in spirit and truth to lift up the name of Jesus and to celebrate the goodness of Father God by giving His Son and the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. We celebrate His presence. We celebrate His goodness here tonight. Amen. So Christmas is a time to worship. Amen. No matter what we're going through, no matter how hard the times are, this is our opportunity to worship God, to lift up God, and to bless Him. I read a story about Frankie. Frankie was a little eight-year-old boy, and, and his dad had uh, set up this date that on Saturday they were going to go fishing. Frankie was so excited, he told all the kids in his class, Friday, Daddy's taking me fishing, and we're going to go to that old fishing hole, and we're going to catch us some good fish. And, uh, and, and he was just telling everybody, he was telling his mom, he's telling his little sister. And uh, Friday night, he could hardly go to sleep. He was so excited about getting up and going fishing. But on Saturday morning, when he woke up, he discovered that the heavens were falling out. It was raining. Buckets of rain were coming down. And uh, he is upset. Dad says, we can't go out and fishing. Actually, the fish aren't biting in this kind of rain. And we're not going to go out there in this kind of weather anyway. And little eight-year-old Frankie grumbled and he griped and he complained all morning. He was dragging his feet and he was just kicking the furniture and kicking the dog and kicking the cat. Nothing was right. Why does it have to rain today? Why does it have to rain today? He was so upset. And his father tried to explain to him, you know, well, the ducks are happy. I don't like ducks. Well, the farmers are happy. They need the rain. I don't care about the farmers. Oh, Frankie had an attitude. At about noon, the clouds broke and the rain dried up. It stopped raining and Dad said, well, Frankie, come here. And he said, what, Dad? He says, you know, we won't get to fish all day, but at least we can fish part of the day. The rain has stopped. You want to go? Yes, Dad. So they jumped in the truck and, and they went down to the lake and, and they fished all afternoon and they caught more fish than they'd ever caught in the history of fishing in their life. They were absolutely amazed. Their baskets were full. The coolers were full. They'd never seen anything like this. And when they came home, mom, she cooked some of the fish for dinner and they were sitting down to eat and, and, and Frankie's sitting there by his dad and his dad looks at Frankie and said, how about you ask the blessing? Frankie bows his head and he prays, God, if I sounded a little grumpy earlier, it was because I couldn't see far enough ahead. The world can't worship because they can't see far enough ahead. But we as Christians, our eyes have been opened. We can see what Jesus has done for us. We, can, we know what Jesus is doing in us. And we know what Jesus is about yet to do in our lives. So we can worship. Amen. Amen. And then finally, there's that gift of myrrh. And myrrh would be that oil that they would take and extract and they would anoint the embalm the dead bodies with. And here we are seeing there's victory over death. This anointing oil was about death, but let me tell you what, they, this Jesus that they were giving it to, even though he would know death, death would not hold him. He said, it'll hold on to me for three days. 
but after the third day, I'll rise again and I'll give the victory that I win over death, hell, and the grave. I'll give it to everyone who will place their faith in me. Hallelujah. So I'm here to celebrate tonight that even in death, we can worship God. Even in death, we have victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? And I'm here to tell you, if you are sorrowful of heart because you've lost a loved one that have gone on to die, let me tell you what, if they were a believer, they're not dead. I'm here to tell you, they are not dead. I had a funeral this week. I missed uh, Garnet Sharp. Bless the family's heart. We pray for them. Uh, Sister Gaynell, his mom, we pray for Sister Gaynell and her family. But let me tell you what, Sister Garnet, she said, I'm going to live to be 100 years old. I'm going to be lived. She told me that numerous times. I'm going to live to be 100 years old. You know what? She was 99 and three months. And Gaynell pointed out something. She said she was nine months in her mom's belly. And if you add that, she was here on earth for nine months. So you add that to the three. She lived to be exactly 100 years old. She was the oldest person I've ever baptized. I think about 95 I was, she was when we baptized her. And what a blessing it was. Man, what a spitfire who loved God. She had fire. She was not going to be overlooked when it came to celebrating the goodness of God. Many times she would grab me by the cheek after a sermon and she'd say, oh, I just love, love to hear you preach. I just love to hear you preach. And I was like, praise God. And she said, but you could make it a little shorter. <laughs> I love that. I love it. She's a preacher's daughter. So she, she'd heard a lot of sermons in her life. And, uh, but let me tell you what. Even though it was raining as we gathered around uh, that graveside, uh, we were gathering there. We were celebrating because we know this is not the end. We know this is not the end. And, and I spoke to someone uh, that was standing near me, and they said, uh, uh, they said this is kind of new. They're working with the funeral home. They said, this is kind of neat. It's like everybody's got this joy. He said, this is awesome. I said, yeah. They said, do you know why? I didn't know if he was a believer. And I said, do you know why? He said, why? I said, because we know this isn't the end. I said, do you know when we came up here, you pointed to me under the direction of your supervisor where, where the head was? And he said, yeah. I said, do you know why the head? And whenever, I said, look out. And there was hundreds and if not thousands of grave of, of, of footstones and headstones around. I said, every one of these are buried with their head facing the east. I said, because they know there's coming a day that at the trumpet sound of God that the dead in Christ shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet with them in the air. I said, do you know that? I said, this, this very graveyard uh, declares that we need to rejoice because there is another day. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The spirit of man will go on and be with the Lord immediately. But God's even got plans for this body. But it has to be resurrected and it has to be glorified. So I don't know if he's going to take us back to 30. I don't know. Probably about how he created Adam and Eve. I don't know. But it's going to be glorified. And he's got use for our body as well to be reunited with our spirit, to be with the Lord forever. The thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life more abundant. Hallelujah. So here's a parent's top 10 real Christmas wishes. Number 10 a new SUV that would fit into my stocking. Number nine, two words, batteries included. 
Number eight, no payments until 2050. Number seven, to get Christmas cards out by Easter. Number six, to complete Christmas shopping at the dollar store. (laughs) Number five, gifts shipped on December the 23rd will arrive on time. Number four, to find a string of lights that work. Number three, especially tonight, no assembly required. Number two, the kids would say, hey, let's just sleep in on Christmas morning. And number one, a note that says, paid in full. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, this gift, myrrh, is the gift that says, it's paid in full. It's paid in full. Hallelujah. Oh, let God's love and light and truth shine through our lives in such a way that others will want to serve the God that we serve that others will want to know his goodness and know his mercy. Because, yes, he's given us victory over sin. He's given us victory in this life. And he's given us victory over death. We cannot lose. We cannot lose if we're in Christ. Do you know that? You can't lose. It's been paid in full. And we're going to close this service out by giving you the opportunity to come and take the bread and the blood of the grape, the fruit of the vine, that you too can take the celebration meal that it is paid in full by the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Our ushers, if they would come and make ready here at the head of these five aisles, we're going to give you an opportunity to just come and say, Jesus, I worship you. Jesus said as often, as often as you do this, you'll do it in remembrance of me. Well, tonight's all about Jesus. This whole Christmas is all about Jesus. Amen. And he wants us to do this in remembrance of him. What he has done in coming and accomplished in coming and giving his very blood and his life for us. He hung on a cross. That body had stripes upon it for our healing. That body had a crown of thorns upon its brow that we might be delivered from the spirit of poverty. That body was bruised and he bled under the skin that we might be set free from every generational curse the devil ever tried to put on us. That body, let me tell you what, was nailed to the cross by hands and feet to give us our authority and to give us our dominion back. That body, let me tell you what, had a spear in its side and blood flowed out from his heart showing it was broken. That's how he died, from a burst heart not from asphyxiation as most would do on the cross. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Let me tell you what, he hung on that tree to take the curse off of us so that he could get the blessing on us. Don't you forget that this Christmas. God is not someone you should be running from. God is someone you need to be running to. You need to embrace him. You need to celebrate him. You need to worship him. And he said, as often as we do this, understanding the worth, the value of what His blood and His body has accomplished for us. We will live a long and strong life. We will, sickness and disease will have to fall off of us because of the power that He has given to us. So if you would just stand and come out of your left side of your aisle, just come up the left side of your row and come on up and and take the elements, go back down the right side to your seat and uh, hold on to those as we come together. So if you would just start Yes.
Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Lord God, that you've removed from us the wrath that was due us. Lord, we thank you that you took our punishment. You took our condemnation upon yourself. You took our judgment upon yourself that we might be deemed free, that we might be deemed pardoned and redeemed by you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your comfort. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your wisdom. We thank you that if we take one step towards you, you're taking two steps towards us. Lord, you love us so much. Even when we were unlovable, you yet loved us. God, you so loved us that you gave us your only begotten son. Lord, you gave us the ram caught in the, in the thicket because you wanted to bring the sacrifice to this earth that we all could rejoice in the after effects of that which would come. We thank you. We cannot help but say, Lord God, you are good. You are wonderful. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory. You are worthy, so worthy to ascribe to you glory and honor and power and thanksgiving. You've given us peace in the midst of a war-torn world. You give us peace in the midst of an onslaught of a spiritual battle that is going on at all times. You give us peace in the midst of the storm. We cannot but help say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us that we might live. Oh, I pray unto you this night with thanksgiving in my heart, Lord, that you be glorified, that you be magnified, that you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. So with thanksgiving, we take, we eat, and we drink. Now, Father God, I pray, let there be one of the most special Christmas blessings on each and every one as we go in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, as we go declaring we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives. We surrender to you. We want to live for you. We want to worship you all the days of our lives. Lord, I pray, let a special 2018 Christmas blessing like they've never known before fall upon each household represented here tonight. And to you be the glory and to you be the honor. For it is in Jesus' name I ask this favor. Amen and amen. God bless you.